In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation on this wonderful Thanksgiving Day. So, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. And our prayer should be the prayer of the psalmist. Give thanks to the Lord for His good, for His mercy endures forever. We like to start off, as always, by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. So I want to thank God through the presence, the prayer, and the heart of Mary Most Holy. Give thanks to the Lord for His good, for His mercy endures forever. Also, Mary is, in the Hail Holy Queen, Mary is our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's turn to Mary and ask Mary to give us the grace to render thanks to God for the many blessings he's bestowed upon all of us. So together, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And bless the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now I'd like to invite to our persevering family conversation our spiritual director. What a grace and privilege it is to have as our spiritual director the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many wonderful titles. Holy Spirit is known as the Paraclete. Holy Spirit is also known as the Gift of Gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the Sweet Guest of the Soul. Holy Spirit is also known as our sanctifier. Holy Spirit is also known as our interior master. St. Paul reminds us in these words, he says, we really don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say Abba. (coughs) Abba, which means Daddy or Father. So let's um, invite the Holy Spirit to descend upon us in this wonderful Thanksgiving day and open our hearts in gratitude to the Lord. And with the psalmist, say this prayer during the course of the day. Give thanks to the Lord for his good. 
give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his mercy endures forever. So let's pray the classical prayer to the Holy Spirit. Together. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful. And enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful, by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in His consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Wishing all of you a very happy Thanksgiving Day. And as always, I'll be celebrating the Mass today, as always, and I will be placing all of you on the altar. Thanking God for all of you present in our Perseverance family. Reminding us that that the greatest gift we have is Christ himself. Jesus is a gift from God the Father. He's the gift of all gifts. And he becomes a gift to us in the Most Holy Eucharist. Let us thank God for his infinite mercy and love and generosity in giving to us the Most Holy Eucharist. So I'll place all of you on the altar when I celebrate Holy Mass today. 
So, that's the greatest gift I can give to you, is to pray for you, but especially in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And my first intention will be, as always, that that we would all be, try to be open to the gifts and the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. That's right. We'd be try to be open to the gifts and the presence of the Holy Spirit. My second intention, I'd like to pray for pray for all of our families. That this is one of the most important family days, if not the most important in the country. That the families that come together will thank God for each other, but also thank God for His presence and the many gifts that He's bestowed upon us. Then my last intention, as always, will be to pray with you for the dying. That they will die in the peace and friendship and grace with God. That they will be saved for all eternity. Our Lord says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So those will be my intentions as they offer the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, praying for our openness to the Holy Spirit, our families, and for those who will be dying during the course of the day that their death will be the birth into eternal life, as the church prays. So, I, I'm just overflowing in Thanksgiving. Uh, these past two days, Tuesday and Wednesday, we held once again a mini-retreat. I've been offering, offering many retreats over the past past few months. I gave a mini-retreat on the letter of St. James. Then on the book of Jonah. And I gave a mini-retreat on the Sermon on the Mount. I gave a mini-retreat on the Luminous Mysteries. I gave a mini-retreat on the book of Tobit. I gave a mini-retreat on the Last Things. And the retreat extends into today. I gave a re- I gave a mini retreat on Thanksgiving. And the presentations that I gave, the two talks that I gave on Tuesday, was I encouraged the people to write out a litany of Thanksgiving. 
for the natural gifts that God has bestowed upon us. Then yesterday I followed the theme of a litany, but elevating it to a superior level, moving from the natural to the supernatural, encouraging all of us to give thanks to God, giving thanks to God for His abundant blessings, His supernatural blessings. So it was a wonderful two-day mini-retreat experience, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. What I'm doing, this is becoming a pattern, a habit, is every two weeks I'm offering a mini-retreat, two, three, sometimes even four days. The next one will be in two weeks, December 5th and 6th, it'll be a Wednesday and Thursday. It'll be in preparation for Christmas. So that's a preview. So I'd like to be thankful to God for the opportunity to be able to offer these mini-retreats, which is the ongoing formation for people. Because once we're confirmed, it's incumbent upon us to keep growing in our faith. This ongoing formation, permanent formation. So I'd like to start off in our conversation today by entering into the biblical passage that we have in the United States because this Thanksgiving Day is not universal but it is in the United States Thanksgiving Day. And the church uh, allows us to have separate readings for Thanksgiving. So the Gospel reading, I'd like to just recap, summarize, paraphrase this passage for you. And you know that my style is I like to give the biblical passage, the interpretation and the application Now, I'll often speak about the saint of today. And by the way, today is Blessed Miguel Pro. Very important saint, especially for the Mexicans. He died saying, Que viva Cristo Rey. This Sunday is the feast day of Christ the King. But let's enter into the gospel for today, which is taken from the the Gospel, the Evangelist St. Luke. Chapter 17, verse 11 to 19. And this is the Gospel. It's a a very heartwarming Gospel, but there's... It's twinged with a note of sadness because of the lack of gratitude on the part of many. So, I'd like to start off. And it presents Jesus 
on the way to Jerusalem. Just that you're aware of this, we should try to beg for the grace of St. Ignatius of Loyola for intimate knowledge of Christ that we love him more ardently and we follow him more closely. That we should beg for. Intimate knowledge of Christ that we love him more ardently we follow him more closely. What a beautiful grace. Even after Holy Communion we should be begging for that grace. Intimate knowledge of Christ that we love him more ardently and we follow him more closely. So the Gospel of St. Luke presents Jesus as having his face set toward Jerusalem where he will culminate his life in the Paschal Mystery, his passion, death and resurrection. So Jesus is passing He's passing in between Samaria and Galilee. And just that you're aware of the fact that the Jews and the Samaritans uh, did not get along well together. Basically, they're enemies. Basically, they're enemies. So, Jesus is uh, heading through this area and he enters a village. He meets ten lepers. Let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk a little bit about that. Ten lepers. Today, leprosy is actually called Hansen disease. And in the United States, it's, uh, it's not too common today because of modern medicine. But back 2,000 years ago, it was very different. Incidentally, if you really want to see a good film related to lepers and leprosy, I invite you to try to see the movie Molokai. Molokai, which is the uh, the presentation of the the great saint, Saint Damien of Molokai. How he went to the island of Molokai in Hawaii. And Saint Damien worked with the lepers and died as a leper. Here's an interesting question. What do you think was the greatest suffering of Father Damien, St. Damien? You might think, well, the heat, or maybe the uh, working with lepers, maybe the, the foul smell. It wasn't that. The greatest suffering of Father Damien was that he could not go to confession. because he was the only priest on the island. And there's a scene in the movie where there's a priest on a boat and he gets into his rowboat so he can go and he can shout out his sins to the priest and the priest would give him absolution. 
That was his greatest suffering. Thanks be to God that we can go to confession, praise the Lord, and cleanse ourselves of our spiritual leprosy. Because there is physical leprosy, but also there's there's physical leprosy, but also there's spiritual leprosy. So leprosy in the time of Jesus was a was a horrible it was a horrible disease. We read in the Old Testament the <clears throat> there were certain regulation and rules that lepers had to observe. They would be living in colonies outside the city. If someone drew close to a leper, then the leper was obliged to cry out impure. How demeaning that would have been. And often the voice would be hoarse, shrill, because the leprosy would sometimes eat away at the vocal cords of the leper. The leper or lepers were seen as a stigma to society. And there are various forms of leprosy. I've read a little bit on it. One book I was reading on it, uh, William Barclay, who is, he has a very good commentary on the Gospels. He was one of Fulton Sheen's favorite. William Barclay taught at University of Glasgow in Scotland. He um, said that the leprosy could be either partial or total. I'll explain. Partial leprosy would be the following. You probably know that it's a skin disease. And leprosy usually starts at the extremities of the body. So it would eat away at the eyebrows and, and the nose and the nostrils and the lips and possibly the tongue. And then it would be the fingers. And then your, the toes on the feet. And if it was a partial leprosy, If it were a partial leprosy, then it would just stop after having eaten away the extremities of the human body. That's right. Eating away at the extremities of the human body. The extremities of the human body. So, if it had eaten away at the eyebrows, maybe an eye, the nose, the, the lips, the fingers, the best way to explain it would be this person would be almost look like a monster. Look like a human monster. And because of the weakening of the body, wouldn't be able to walk properly. Perhaps one, one ear would be eaten away. You see whole the, def- the whole deformity. 
which symbolizes sin because sin is moral deformity. That would be partial leprosy. And because of the weakening of the body, these lepers would obviously live a shorter life. Now, total leprosy would be the following. Would be the following. I try to give stories and analogies to to express the, the concept. And the best that has come to me is the following. Is, uh, I try to imagine you have an apple and you place that apple on the table and you go on vacation from July in the summer all the way to the end of August. You're gone for two months. And you've just left that apple on the table. And you don't have air conditioning in your house. And your your house becomes hot and humid. When you return that apple, that apple affected by the environment, will shrivel and rot. That would be about the best analogy I can give to you for for uh, <clears throat> the total leprosy. The total leprosy, that's right. In which the human person would be basically rotting alive, the leprosy would eventually attack the vital organs, the, the lungs, the liver, the heart. And once the vital organs were, were severely damaged, it was just a matter of time that the person would die. As we saw in the movie of Molokai, Lawrence O'Toole played one of the members and he died in front of Father Damien. So you have, you've got the partial leprosy, you've got the total leprosy. Now socially, the lepers were seen as outcasts. They were seen as outcasts to society. Theologically, many of the lepers relating their leprosy to God, some, not all, but many had the belief that they contracted leprosy because because of some some sin that they committed or some relative 
committed. So, personally related to the theological, if the individual believed that he was being chastised by God, obviously, what's the purpose of living? The rates of suicide could easily ascend. So this all resulted in very low self-esteem. Then physically, biologically, they would have to maintain a distance from people. Number one is because leprosy was it. Leprosy was a a disease that was incurable. Today with modern medicine, Hansen disease, people can live with possibly losing a finger or a, or a toe and live a very normal life. But also leprosy was contagious. An individual having a contact, say for example the leprosy was in the hand and touched an open cut of someone, someone like the coronavirus that we suffered for three years. It was uh, a contagious sickness, disease. A contagious sickness or disease. So with all that, that kind of sets the background of the gospel for today. I've given you a pretty good summary of the whole concept of leprosy in the time of Christ 2,000 years ago. They were seen as the outcasts of society. It was seen to be the, the worst thing that could befall an individual to become a leper. Maybe you've seen the movie Ben-Hur. Also, it's a good movie where you see Ben-Hur. Is, uh, he meets his mother and his sister who con- has contracted leprosy. But Father Damien Molokai is the best, the best out there. So here we have Jesus entering a village. And he's met not by one leper, but ten lepers. And they stand at a distance because they're not supposed to get close to Christ or to anyone else. And they lift up their voices. They lift up their voices. And the words that they say are very beautiful and we can hopefully apply these words to our own lives. We can apply these words to our own lives. And they are Jesus Master have mercy on us. What a beautiful prayer. What a beautiful prayer. 
Jesus, and that means, it means God saves us. That's, that's what it means. Jesus means God saves us. As the Archangel Gabriel said to Mary, his name is Jesus because he will save the people of their sins. Master, meaning teacher, guide, he's superior to us. Then have mercy on us. Mercy, Jesus said to St. Faustina Kowalska in the diary. In the diary. That it is the greatest attribute. And what is mercy? John Paul II says another name for mercy is love. And I would add to that, it's the love of God forgiving the sinner. Mercy is the love of God forgiving the sinner. And we should cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And face it, my friends, let's be honest. Let's be honest. I don't think any of us suffer from physical leprosy, but spiritual, yes. I remember when I was uh, a young priest in Argentina, I, I vaguely remember that this was about the first passage that I preached on in Buenos Aires. I think this was one where I wrote up my my homily in Spanish and I preached this. And what I said to the people basically was this, have you ever seen a leper? They're looking, oh no, no, no. He said, well, have you ever looked in the mirror in the morning? I think they were so much shocked at this new priest. And I said, if you looked in the mirror in the morning, you were looking at a leper. What? What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that, Padre Escobito? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean this. That there is what is, what, there is what is called Physical leprosy, there is physical leprosy, yes, but there is spiritual leprosy. Most likely none of us suffer from physical leprosy, but there is spiritual leprosy. And spiritual leprosy, my friends, is an analogy for sin. So all of us are born, all of us are born with spiritual leprosy. That's called sin, original sin. We're purified from that through baptism. But once we give in to 
we give in to actual sin, then once again we contract interior spiritual leprosy. That was the message I was trying to convey to the people and to us. That perhaps we're not physical lepers, but we are spiritual lepers. But good news. There's a doctor in the house. Jesus is the divine physician. Jesus is the divine physician. And he becomes the divine physician in the church, in his mystical body, through the ministry, through the application of the sacraments and the ministry of the priesthood. Every time we make a good confession, we our leprosy is healed by the divine touch of Jesus Christ, the divine physician. Do you like that? I hope you do. I hope you do. So these lepers cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Hopefully that will become part of our our own personal prayer life. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So Jesus saw them. Jesus with his eyes, he looks at them. And even though it's not mentioned, we have to sometimes read behind the lines, Jesus saw them and had great compassion on them. The word compassion, cum passio, means to suffer with. Jesus suffered with these lepers. He saw them and he says, go and show yourselves to the priest. So it was the Mosaic law that they would have to go to the priests. The ministry of the priesthood is very important. And they obeyed. They obeyed the word of the Lord. That's good. We should obey the word of Christ. Now as they went along the way, even before they arrived at the Jewish priests, they were cleansed. So their healing was immediate Total, complete, and unrepeatable. See, when Jesus works, he does it immediately and he does it perfectly. There's no failure in Christ. We live in a perfect, dysfunctional world. 
We live in an imperfect and a dysfunctional world. But Christ is perfect. He's God. He's the divine physician. Then, you don't forget that there's ten of them. There's ten lepers that cried out for help. So of the ten lepers, one of them, when he saw that he was immediately healed, he turned back. And the gospel says he's praising God. My friends, we are called to praise God. St. Ignatius of Loyola in the spiritual exercises says, we are called to praise God, to reverence God, to serve God. And by means of that, To save our souls. So he's praising God in a loud voice. He's not whispering. He's just yelling it out. Imagine the joy of this man. He's, he, he, he starts the day as a leper and his lepers, he's totally cleansed. Totally, completely. And he runs back to Christ. And he falls on his face at Jesus' feet. All these details in the gospel are important. He's not standing, he, he actually throws himself down on the ground, showing his great reverence, humility, respect, adoration, and gratitude. That's the key word today, gratitude. He had an attitude of gratitude. Thankfulness, attitude of gratitude and thankfulness for what he received from the Lord. So he fell at Jesus' feet and here's the key word, giving him thanks. That's what we're celebrating today. We celebrate the United States Thanksgiving Day, giving him thanks. Now, the next five words, the next five words, a short, simple sentence. St. Luke says, now, he was a Samaritan. It's interesting when the Samaritan appears in the gospel, even though the Jews had problems with him, the Samaritan always appears in a positive light. This is a Samaritan. Then also you have the parable of the Good Samaritan. Then in John chapter 4, you have the Samaritan woman at the well that had many husbands, but Jesus converted the Samaritan. And she goes into the town to convert many of her friends and then Jesus goes into Samaria 
in John chapter 4 and more are converted by his presence. So even though the Jews had a rejection of the Samaritans, when he, the Samaritans appear, they appear in a positive light. And really what the gospel is saying is we have to have a Catholic heart. That means that we should recognize that all of us are brothers and sisters in Christ. We should avoid discrimination. We should avoid looking down on anyone because of race or color or creed or ethnic group. The, the gift of the Holy Spirit, piety, what does that mean? We recognize that God is Father and all of us are brothers and sisters. So there should be universal love that we cultivate among ourselves. So, it specified that this man was a Samaritan. Now, Jesus, having a human heart, keenly aware of this, Jesus accepting this homage of this one leper. He says, where are the nine? We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Only one of the ten comes back to the Lord to render thanks. Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? All right. I think we have to try to identify ourselves with this passage. Today's Thanksgiving Day. I heard something on Catholic Radio I'd like to share with you as a possible activity that you can carry out today. We want to be abounding in thanksgiving to God for all he's given to us, like this one leper. We don't want to be like the nine lepers who didn't even come back to thank the Lord. We want to be like the one leper, cultivating this attitude of gratitude. And this is what I heard. Before the the Thanksgiving meal, The family and the extended family had made this proposal. And it was for each and every one of the family members to write 
a short, anonymous letter of thanksgiving. Gotta repeat. A short, anonymous letter of thanksgiving. And then, the family and the extended family would come together. And one member in the family would be the secretary and the reader of that letter. And that's what happened. So I don't know the number of people. Maybe there's 20 people. Family and extended family. So they collated and collected these these uh, Thanksgiving letters, and I underline anonymous. These anonymous. So as they were reading, there was a very hardened member in the family. You might even call like the black sheep. And as the letters were being read, this very hardened individual, tears welled up in his eyes. And he started to cry. He was so moved by the sentiments of thanksgiving that were composed in those letters that had moved him. He was touched on the very fiber of his being and tears welled up and started to stream out of his eyes. Now, will you have enough time to do that? Maybe not because I'm popping this story right now. But it's a beautiful idea, isn't it? Don't you like it? Isn't it beautiful? I love it. But here's another option. Here's another option. Here's another option. Before sitting down at the table... to share your Thanksgiving meal with your family members. Make sure that there are no electronic devices at the table today. The TV, the radio, the phone. So you can maybe put them aside for this Thanksgiving meal. So that we can pay, pay more attention to the persons than, on, than the plastic screen on your phone. And I would say each and every one start off with prayer. Start off with prayer. A prayer of thanksgiving to God for all the benefits that He's given to us. Give thanks to the Lord for His good, for His mercy endures forever. Then, then, 
allow yourself and all of us just to, to mention to mention at least one reason why one reason why you want to render thanks to God on this wonderful day of Thanksgiving. So we don't want to simply limit Thanksgiving. We don't want to simply limit Thanksgiving to eating turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing and corn and pumpkin pie and apple pie and a good appetizer. Well, we're going to have a good meal. This is not the day that we're going to be practicing fasting, are we? I don't think so. But I honestly think that we'd be very remiss and negligent we did not invite God to be with us. So, we want to invite God to enter into Thanksgiving. So, some of you like Mary, Joe, and Thank you very much, Sophie, for your note of Thanksgiving. We don't want to limit Thanksgiving simply to eating and partying and living it up, so to speak. We want to thank God. But also we like to express Thanksgiving by word of mouth or maybe by a short letter, short composition. So my friends, I thank God for all of you. It's great to to be with you in the Perseverance family. I thank God for all of you. You great you give joy to my heart when we come together to pray and to share with each, with each other especially the gift of God that we all have. And as I mentioned earlier, I'll be praying for all of you in the greatest of all prayers. And that is the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And that's why the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. So I'd like like to invite all of you, my friends, to share this message with many of your friends. Share this with many of your friends. And I'd like to give you my special priestly blessing on this Thanksgiving Day. The Lord be with you. The intercession of Mary Most Holy. 
May God's angels and saints. May God bless you with a lot of peace and joy and happiness today and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.